there. So I've been teaching there for the last five weeks, and I, I interview people. I thought this is a big chunk of, of problem in people's life. Yes, but also when I reflect back, when I was growing up in Uganda, I had a lot of fear. From the very beginning, when I was young, there was like malaria. We used to have malaria, even up now it's there, but it's not so uh, common as back then. Every time I got malaria, my mother would take me to a doctor. And then the doctor had this injection. And every time I went to the hospital, I would hear people screaming. Before the needle gets to me, I just hear people crying. I don't know why they're crying. <laughs> and I had a lot of fear that this is going to happen to me. Before even the needles, I mean the injection came, I had this fear to, as a young person. And then when the needle came, I really screamed than any other person I've had before. <laughs> At one time, as they were injecting, I tightened my body that the, even the, the, the injection failed to come out. That's how I was so scared. <laughs> it's just a needle, actually. And it took me years, actually, to get malaria. And then as I grew up, uh, I, was, I was afraid of this. But once I, I, I was grown up, and then they brought the injection here, there was not that fear, but, but much fear. It wasn't there. but. There was that memory when I was crying and that needle was coming. It was a memory, actually. But as a meditator, I would just become aware of, oh, unpleasant, unpleasant, like this kind of thing. I applied mindfulness, and there was nothing to fear. That means mindfulness can work. It helps us to overcome fear, even with memories. Then comes the fear of ghosts in Uganda. In the United States, you don't have this problem. <laughs> In Uganda, is terrible. Every time people talk about ghosts, then I ask them, have you ever seen a ghost? Say, no, no, no. Somebody told me about it. So I trust somebody who has ever seen a ghost, and I could not find somebody who had first-hand experience. I was so frustrated. And these are stories going around. Don't go near the graves and all these things. A lot of fear, actually. So when I became a monk, I decided to go to Thailand. Uh, I went to Thailand for a conference, United Nations conference. Then I remembered my biggest fear in life. It was ghosts. Then I went to northern Thailand. There it's called Ubon, Ajahn Chab Monastery. Then I found a monk who told me that he has seen, he, he has seen ghosts. I said, what? Have you seen one? <laughs> I grew up all the time looking for someone who has seen ghosts. We buried together. I said, okay, where have you seen? I like to go. After all, I'm a monk, so what will happen to me? So I'll do chanting and all the things if it gets worse. So I went with him. He could hardly speak good English, actually. But anyway, we went together and pointing to the places and all that. So he told me, there, right there. It's in the middle of the forest. It was around 10, uh, I think it was 9 p.m. actually, at night, in a graveyard where they don't cremate, actually. 
And then they say, well, yeah, that's a dead body, but it's under the ground. Don't worry. So just keep on walking, walking. And then he, he put me this in empty house. I mean, a hut. And uh, I was sitting there. He said, no, I'll come back later. I said, I don't know what I was getting into, actually. When he, he said, I'll come back later. <laughs> I didn't expect to be that intense. It's dark. And uh, I mean, there, there is no sign of a human being. And, and it's in the middle of nowhere. And uh, I just see graves around. And uh, he said, sure, you will see the ghost. You wanted it, you got it. <laughs> so sit there and meditate. Bye. <laughs> he went off. I don't know where he went. I sat there, meditated, and so all of a sudden, something made a sound. Pah! I said, that was a ghost, actually. I said, no, maybe you should not close your eyes. You should open them. Since you want to see the ghost, you should open the eyes. So I opened the eyes. There was no ghost. And then I meditated, I meditated, and then this fear of tigers came. Because I've read about tigers in Thailand, these monks meditating, and tigers come. And then another few of tigers came, and then I kept on meditating. I said, okay, when the ghost comes, let me really see it. And then I was meditating, then mosquitoes start biting me, then I start being afraid of ding fever. So it was one fear after the other. <laughs> I said, wow, I just want to say ghost, but I'm seeing these things now. So then... Uh, at some stage, I said, no, no, it doesn't make sense really actually to sit down. Just do for, go for a walk. So I went doing walk meditation and all this. And then all of a sudden, I had something coming actually, walking. And I said, this is really going to be a ghost, actually. It didn't have a, a, I mean, there was no light and all that. But then I just said, oh, maybe this is the monk who is coming back to pick me up. And then actually, he came, and then... He flashed the light, and then that was the end of it. But I didn't see the ghost. I was so frustrated. <laughs> but what I remember, though, in the middle of uh, my sitting, I said, OK, if the ghost come, I'm going to set, send meta loving kindness. Then it will, not so, it, will, it will not be harsh to me, the ghost. So I send loving kindness. And then also sometimes I, I said, OK, if really actually I die here, I've done a lot of Dharma work. I've introduced the Dhamma to my mother. I didn't have a nun. I've taught around the world. So no problem. So I just faced my fears. Okay, let the ghost come. And let the ghost do whatever it wants. I really faced my fear, actually. So then we went back and all this. And he told me, you know, next, come, next time you come back to Thailand, I'll take you where you can see the ghost. You have missed seeing one, but I'll take you somewhere. So since then, I've been going back, gone back to the cemetery. But I'll go there to really see the ghost. Then next time I give a talk, I'll be able, I'll be able to describe what a ghost looks like. <laughs> Maybe I'll never see one, but that's what fear thinks, that you always, uh, it's really real, actually. Yeah, so anyway, I faced my fear. That's one antidote to, to, to fear. So he's facing fear, right? So, now let us really uh, find out what's really fear, actually. Uh, fear, at least what I can see, there are three kinds of fear. One is realistic fear, real, really, like fear of old age, death, um, sickness, separation. This is a realistic fear. It's real, actually. 
And the Dharma, practicing the Dharma meditation can help us actually to overcome this kind of fear. There's another kind of fear which is unrealistic, unrealistic fear. And the psychotherapist can help. And also the Dharma can help, but psychotherapist can help. This is something like you imagine, let's say, fear of heights. Fear of, if something happened to you when you're young, and this you, you, like you cut your finger, and then you always you fear sharp knives. Actually, that's what happened to me. Always, I mean, I, I'm afraid of razor blade because I cut my finger before. And now, there's no knife, but always I'm afraid of touching something sharp. So there's that imprint that we have on our brain, and always we bring thoughts. And so these things we can really, uh, these th thoughts that comes, comes to your mind because of having faced something when you're young, you can actually overcome them through some help of how to go back and, and get out of your delusion and all these things, imagination. And that's fear, somebody defined it, I checked on the internet, I think it's called, um, it's called something, uh, false evidence appear real. That's fear, F-E-A-R. -E <laughs> that's what that fear is, false evidence appearing real. <laughs> Actually, it's nothing real, but really it appears so. That's when we see a, a rope and we think it's a snake. And then we get scared. And most of, the, oh, most of the time we go through that kind of fear, neurotic fear. Really, there's really nothing re so much realistic, but we imagine things. We imagine bears. We imagine this and this. But there's really nothing real. There's another fear which is very important to know, I think, from a philosophical point of view. It's from a Buddhist, Buddhist uh, teaching. It's called, uh, uh, in Pali, it's called otapa. Otapa means moral fear. Moral fear is not this kind of ordinary fear. It's fear to do unwholesome uh, 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 actions like uh, killing and uh, stealing, that kind of fear is a more of a healthy kind of fear because it can help us to go out of trouble so that we don't cause uh, uh, and we don't arouse unskillful states of mind. So then we have those three kinds of fear. One is realistic fear, another one is unrealistic, another one is called more fear, but we have to qualify it. If you just say fear, then it's just another kind of fear. We have to put the word more fear. So in a way, uh, as you must have read, is one of those things that protect the world. If people are fear, they have no more fear, they can commit many unwholesome, uh, unskilled uh, actions, speech and also thoughts. So those are the three kinds of fear. Now you can tell which kind of fear you have. <laughs> so now, there are some kind of fear that I think are very important to, to identify. I saw them somewhere. I think you can relate to them. One of them is a fear of public speech. <laughs> Actually, they say that's number one fear. 
you know people fear death, but this number one fear of public speaking. I don't have that problem, actually. <laughs> but I've seen people, and English is not my mother, my, my, my mother tongue. Sometimes I mumble things and I say, did I say it right? But some people, English is their mother tongue, and they have fear public speaking. And if I give a talk in Luganda, that's another thing. <laughs> I don't have to think so much, but when I give a talk in English, Sometimes I have to think about a little bit, you know, a little bit. But in Uganda, I can just keep on going, going. So here, <laughs> maybe I should give one in, in my language. <laughs> so, but I've seen people, English is your mother language, just keep on talking. <laughs> I don't know why people are fear. You're not going to make grammatical errors and all these things. Fear of, okay, I, I'm just going to read it, then you can identify your greatest fear. Uh, I'm not going to say the, uh, the very, I think Latin words are very difficult, uh, acrophobia and all these things. I'll just say fear of heights, uh, fear of spiders, oh, that's a big one. I've seen people in Th Thailand from Sweden, I was in Thailand for two years, people scream, a spider, what does, unless you're in Australia, where there are poisonous spiders, this, what, what is the spider going to do to you, actually? You can see people really and uh, imaginations. I mean, if, even if uh, there's, some, there's something that a spider can do, because I spend uh, three months in Australia, it has to walk, you know, to do something to you. Then you have time, actually. <laughs> you have reaction time. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> open space. People have a few open space. Then the needles. That's me. I, <laughs> I, I was afraid of needles. Um, thunder, lightning. Yes, I was in Brazil. There's a place where they have thunders because of minerals. I remember very well. Underground is minerals. Oof, every time thunder. Then uh, confined space. Then uh, of course people have fear of uh, mice and rats. Death, oh, that's a common one. Fear of mother-in-law. <laughs> wow, how about that? No, we should also qualify fear of father-in-law. <laughs> okay, fear of seas. Oh, yes, I can relate to that, actually. My first time on the ocean, it was terrible. In Uganda, we don't have an ocean, you know? And I was afraid of swimming and all this. I mean, the sea was so rough, and the boat stopped working, and uh, I mean, we, we are just floating, actually. And a friend of mine from England said, don't worry, you know. I will rescue you when we go down. I said, what? <laughs> In this ocean? <laughs> he had already done scuba diving. So actually, when I reached this, the, 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 the shore, I had to learn scuba diving. I said, next time we go, we, we go back, this is going to be rough, <laughs> I'll be able to save myself. So that's how I learned scuba diving, actually. <laughs> so I learned scuba diving. I became even an instructor. I said, no, no, you should really master the sea. So actually, before I became a monk, I was a scuba diving instructor. <laughs> Again, that's fear helping me, actually. Uh, fear of strangers and foreigners. I don't know. Uh, 
the fear of forgetting. Wow, this is a big thing. I've seen people who are always fidgeting, really, to, where's my kickers? Where did I leave it here? Is that common to you? <laughs> so you're really afraid of forgetting, actually. So actually, the way I work with that is actually it will be terrible if a monk forgets something. We are teaching meditation and mindfulness, and, and you forget every time you lose basic mindfulness and all that. That's terrible, actually. Not a good role model. <laughs> Not a good role model. So what do we do, actually? Whenever I do something, if I want to remember this, I'll just say, putting, 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 put it there. I'm telling you, if you make three intentions before putting your key down, you'll never forget it. But after all, I, but if you really just drop it there and have a cup of tea and all that, you will forget it. You spend 30 minutes looking for the, yeah, the khaki, not a good idea. Yes, so you can actually overcome that fear also somehow. Fear of change, that people actually are afraid of change. When things are changing, people are afraid. Fear of uh, success. People are afraid of success. It's, mad, it's amazing. We, are, we all want to be successful, but people are afraid to be successful. It's a very subtle fear, actually. Because when you are successful, there's a responsibility that comes along with that. Then you are afraid of being responsible for all these things. OK, if you want to be the president of Uganda, <laughs> Yes, you can become a president of Uganda, but a lot of responsibilities, you know. So then people are afraid of becoming a president of Uganda. Uh, many other things actually uh, comes along with that kind of success. Of course, that's a very subtle fear, but most of the time people are afraid of failure. People are afraid of failure. They don't want to fail. They always want to be successful. But once they become successful, then they're afraid also. So then we are in a problem most of the time. Let's see if there's other kind of fear here. Yeah, fear of uh, fear itself. <laughs> you know people are afraid of fear? That's even really difficult because fear comes, then you're afraid of fear, then you're kind of in a vicious circle. Eh? Fear comes, and then you're afraid of fear, then you're afraid about fear, about fear. It just keeps on going and you are going to have difficulties. Fear of death, I think that's a common thing, fear of death. Fear of life also, people are afraid to live actually, to make both ends meet, maybe here in, uh, in the States, uh, I think the economy is okay compared to most places I've been in Africa. It's very difficult actually, so how am I going to have a square meal? So people might really be afraid, how am I going to survive? So I think this is not a real problem. <laughs> but it's a big problem, actually. People don't know what they are going to eat the next day. So they are afraid to live. So this fear happening around the world, actually. Now, uh, re re regardless of your fear, it's very, very important to identify something. Where is the source of fear? It's very, very important. Uh, from uh, uh, the scriptures, the, what we call the Dhammapada, the Buddha I was able to identify where fear comes from. In the Dhammapada, he said, from craving, uh, grief arises. From craving, 
fear arises. Where there's no craving, where there's, there's no fear. Where is fear if there's no craving? So we can then track down where fear comes from. It, uh, fear comes from uh, aversion to the present danger, imminent danger. So where does aversion come from, anger? It comes from desire to push away things. Yes. And in fact, aversion or anger is frustrated desire. When your desires are frustrated, when somebody gets or something gets in a way of what you really desire, then you have anger, you have aversion. So then where does craving come from? We can also trace it back to ignoring. There's a way, certain way, uh, maybe you are ignoring certain situations. So it's really good to really to trace where this kind of fear comes from. I think that will help us in a way how to work with it in a very skillful way. So there is also anxiety. Anxiety is actually more of a version of uh, uh, the future. You don't know the future, how it's going to turn out. Turn out like maybe uh, interview, then uh, you have a test maybe. Uh, something uh, pertaining to fear. There's no imminent danger, but you are really there actually uh, thinking about the future and then you feel anxious about it. Anxiety arises. It's a very, very common thing actually. To, uh, and sometimes it's uh, very overwhelming. They get all, uh, people get all these kind of phobias and they get uh, uh, anxiety disorder. A lot of suffering comes from that. So really, when we look deeply, we find out actually most of this fear and anxiety is all based on aversion. We don't want something, whether it's fear in the present, uh, uh, present time, whether it's future, whether it's past. There's always something you don't like to happen. There's always something that you do not like to happen. So then it's very important to know that the, when you are t we want to deal with fear, we look at the, ro the roots. What's the root of fear? What's the root? Let us f uh, take an example. Let's say fear of death. Why are you afraid of death, actually? Do you know the reason? <laughs> Why are you afraid of death? You don't know what's going to happen. Yes, yes. That's fear of unknown. And you don't know, it's because of the root of ignorance, because you don't know, that's delusion, you know? Yes, so uh, fear also of death can come uh, out of attachment. We are attached to this body. You know, we get this body when we are young, we take care of it and all that. I mean, we take, we wash it and all that. And then we are afraid that we are going to lose the body. We are going to lose the body. Meditation helps us to really actually practice mindfulness of the body. I think most of you are meditators. You really practice mindfulness of the body. And then you can see the body as it is. You can have your body without getting attached to it. There's no problem. I'm not saying that, okay, if you meditate, then you don't have a body. <laughs> no. You can really have your body 
and don't get attached to your body. Okay. I can decide to have this. Eh? You see this one? I can decide to have it. I have it here. Eh? Eh? It's okay. It can go and come. Eh? It can go and come. I'm not suffering. When these, these, these things going, I'm not suffering. When it's coming, I'm not suffering. Now the problem, this is what we do. That's why even the, in the scriptures they say about the body is something we attach to. The, what we call the, the, the five aggregates of attachment, we attach to it. So now this is a different situation. You see? Okay? This is my body. <laughs> Trying to take it. Oh, suffering. <laughs> you see that resistance? We don't want to go. And this is a big suffering we have. Big suffering, actually, even at the end of life, really. In the present life, also like that. But also at the end, really, we suffer a lot because we don't want to let go. Okay. Okay. And bring me back my body. <laughs> so... Why do you choose this route? <laughs> People tend to choose that, this route where they have to hold on too tightly. The beauty of the practice of meditation, it helps us to loosen, 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 loosen. And you have your body. Have your body. <laughs> it doesn't mean don't take care of it. You continue to take care of your body, but you are not holding on tenaciously like this. So, that one way. Fear of death is because of that holding. If you practice meditation and you don't hold so tight, I think that is going to be helpful. Another one, oh, fear of losing our sensual pleasures. Seeing sights and thinking, you know, we went to school, we, we have all these thoughts about philosophy and all these things, and we have eaten food and you know, Italian restaurant, and we have all this wonderful taste, and this our music, Mozart, and all these things. So all these things that, that belong to the six senses, we're afraid that we're going to lose one day. It's going to just be kaput. So then that fear of death arises also. Fear of death also comes from uh, aversion, actually, uh, aversion. So uh, uh, there is that kind of uh, really uh, afraid. You're really afraid. Uh, really, uh, what happens when I die? I'm going to face judgment. Yeah? So people have some kind of uh, uh, teaching that teach them how uh, at the last day you'll be judged and all that things. Recently, I was at IMS. I read uh, somebody has a car with a, a bumper sticker, non-judgment non days near. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> that, can, <laughs> that can help us to overcome this kind of fear. <laughs> because most of the people are afraid of death because they know they are going to be judged and they are going to be thrown in hell forever. But for us, at least to me, I know that's a temporary thing, actually. Because somebody told me recently, I was in Uganda, somebody told me, Bante, Bante, he's a, actually from a denomination, Korean denomination. They do mass marriage and all that. So he told me that, she told me, you know, Bante, I'm sorry for you. I said, why are you sorry for me? 
So you know Bantu are going to go to hell. <laughs> My eyes were like this. I never actually thought of going to hell. Every time uh, they tell me, Bante, how about your death? I said, okay, I'm going to upgrade. Like I had a window visitor, then I go to kind of uh, <laughs> 2013. I'll just upgrade my existence. But for me, I never really felt that I, I'm going to really <laughs> keep on going down. So for me, it was actually kind of a rude awakening. Somebody said, you're going to hell. So because I don't have any reason to go to hell, actually. What have I done? <laughs> I haven't killed someone. I haven't really uh, robbed a bank or something. Like she told me, not going, you are going to hell because you are not married. All people who have to go to heaven, they must be married. <laughs> then I said, what about monks in Thailand and Sri Lanka? Uh, all this Burma, yes, all of them, they'll go to hell. Uh, I say, okay, I have a temple, I have, I have a water project for the people in Uganda, and uh, I give scholarship from the, the school that I formed. I help people, I mean, I've helped people around the village, around my temple, it's the only temple in Uganda. I'm confident I'm not going to go to hell. She said, no, you'll go to hell. So okay. I said, what am I going to do with this lady? I said, okay. I found a solution. I said, okay. Yes. You are going to go to heaven? She said, yes. I said, okay. No problem. I'll go to hell. I don't want uh, all of us, all monks and nuns to go to heaven. It's going to be overcrowded and you're not going to enjoy your heaven. So all of us, we create space for you and you'll have a wonderful time. <laughs> So, I have no fear of hell. <laughs> no, no afraid. No need to be afraid if you have done something good. People who get afraid about death, people who have done th bad things, you know, haven't done. You can also review what you've done. So, if you haven't done any terrible things, why are you afraid of death? Now, if you have done something terrible, you can still walk uh, around it by meditating and... Uh, do good things and, and uh, just be good, in other words. <laughs> just be good. Practice meditation and all that, and then there's no need to think about it. Yeah, so, and if you go there anyway, you can always upgrade. No problem, it's not permanent. <laughs> you can keep on going up. Now, uh, another fear is delusion, actually. Fear of delusion. People, uh, the fear of unknown that what, when you die, what happened? So then people are afraid. Okay, now, uh, these are the kinds of fear that we navigated. Let us go to the solution. We meditators, let us boil it to the, our practice now. Now, when we are practicing meditation, the biggest fear, I think, is pain. When you are meditating, pain. When you're sitting here and, and you had that meditation, one, one of the benefits of meditation is to overcome pain and uh, grief. And then you're meditating, and then all of a sudden pain comes. And you say, oh, I heard that the purpose of meditation is to overcome pain, but now you are here practicing anapainsati. You know, anapanasati, <laughs> mindfulness of breathing in and out. Here you are practicing anapainsati. So what's wrong here? You know, I should be practicing mindfulness of breathing in and out. 
So then pain becomes very, very, very unbearable and all these things. So now there's a lot of fear. When you're meditating, it's very, very important. When you're meditating and pain arises, it's very, very important. This is very subtle, but it's very important to observe the emotion background behind the sensation of, of pain. Because uh, usually when pain arises, we try to think about the future, what will happen to this leg. Maybe this leg is going to be amputated. <laughs> and then maybe I won't be able to walk by the time I start. And then uh, we start to be afraid about uh, how, how am I going to work, my job, uh, everything we really put together. Right? So what we do actually, we kind of add future pain to the present pain. And if you do a little bit of mathematics, you can see if you add the present to the future, it becomes big, isn't it? It's exaggerated. But if we start with the pain itself as pain, then it's not going to be unbearable, not so much unbearable. Then also there's uh, the, uh, the past. Yeah, I did this retreat, at Goenka retreat, and this retreat, uh, I, I had some pain, and here now pain comes. Then we try to kind of bring the past to the present. And also a little bit of mathematics there shows that if you add the, the past to the present, pain becomes bigger and it, it's uh, increased, you know. So uh, the best way to meditate uh, when uh, you have uh, pain is actually to stay with the painful sensations. As you must have heard, that pain is a given, suffering is option. Most of the fear around pain is something that we really project. We project. So it's really good to stay with the bare sensations of pain. And then investigate it. Is it increasing? Is it decreasing? And all these things. Pain sometimes increases, sometimes increases. Sometimes you feel as if you are going to burst into pieces. Really, that's when the thought of fear arises. The thought of fear that really you are going to die on a meditation cushion. But actually, at least from my experience, I've never seen somebody who died of pain, actually, in the meditations. Never. So, so don't be afraid of fear when it arises. And when fear arises, I'm going to teach you how to overcome with fear with the time remain, remaining time how to deal with actually fear i'm really centering so much on fear because i just found out actually most people have this kind of fear and it's not really realistic sometime you know joseph one of the teacher in ims gave a very good uh, uh, story somebody was a painting tiger and then uh, was a very good painter and painted he kept on painting and painting and one day, he went to the room, and it's maybe a little bit dark, and then he thought there was a real tiger. But this was coming from the painting that he, he has done. So I've seen it myself, even at Bavana Society, where I trained as a monk in West Virginia. I put a chair one time in front of my kuti, but uh, usually I don't do that. But one time I opened the door and I saw a chair, I thought it was a, a, a bear, really, really, because I thought the chair 
is, you see, it was stuck on, my, on the door, and I thought there was some kind of animal there, actually. But I'm the one who put the chair there. <laughs> so we are the one who put the, the fear there, and then we back, and we look at it, and then we, we take it for real. So this is a very interesting area to watch, actually. So now let us go through some kind of methods to deal with fear, actually. They are the same that applies to, to aversion, actually. That's why I'm, I'm, I'm not going to really mention one, because we have a short time. It's the same principles, the, how to deal with fear, how to deal with aversion, how to deal with the anxiety. The principle is the same. We are going to go through some kind of like six techniques that are very helpful. The first technique is called controlling your senses or restraining or mindfulness of six senses. So that's the number one technique how to deal with fear. Fear usually it arises as a bubble of thought, actually. And we take it for real. So, in other words, the thought of your mother is not your mother. Is it? Do you think so? The thought of your mother is not your mother. But most of the time when we think, whatever we think, we believe it in, we believe in that. And I've seen people who have all this imagination. They are afraid of beer, beer I mean, bears and all these. But it's a thought. And they take it for real. You don't know how many times we take our thought for real. Just a thought pops up. And it's real. So it's amazing. So now you want to really, every time you think, you just become a way of thinking. Every time the thought of uh, fear comes, you just become a way of thinking, 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 thinking. Because usually when the thoughts is associated with the kind of resentment and all these things, then we start to be afraid and all that. So if you can just stop at thinking, there shouldn't be a problem, actually. That means called, uh, this is called restraining your senses. There are six senses. So if it's seeing, you become aware of seeing. If it's like a, uh, uh, touching, you just become aware of touching. If it's um, thing, uh, hearing, you just become aware of hearing and all this kind of thing. I think it's a very, very important technique because when we stop at just seeing or hearing, then we don't create a story around it. We don't create a story around it. At Bhavana Society, I saw a, a bear Actually, I was there meditating for the whole day, and uh, I went around. When I saw something black, I thought it was a dog. But because I thought it was a dog, there was no fear. <laughs> really, actually, the bear was just in front of me. The dog was in front of me, and I thought, wow, that's a big dog. <laughs> I am from Uganda. I never seen a bear. And when, whenever people talked about a bear in the, our temple, for six years, every time I told him, don't pull my leg. There's never a bear here. So I was convinced. 
With all my thoughts, I say there's no bear here. They say, we've seen a bear, say, no way. Six years, I've never seen a bear. So when I was out stretching a little bit in nature in front of my kuti, I saw a black thing come and say, wow, that's a big dog. <laughs> that's a thought. But the thought gave me an impression that it was a dog, but I, it wasn't a dog. That's how the thoughts fool you, because of our perception, and we are, with, with, and we, we are not expecting a bear anyway. So my thoughts concretized on the idea that it was a dog, and I didn't. I wasn't afraid. So it came close. Then I saw the legs being thrown like this. I said, "Wow, I've never seen this thing," you know. And then I, I remember seeing, I think, in, in uh, pictures. I said, "This must be a bear." I'm telling you, that's when fear rose. <laughs> and out of my compassion, I just went back to my kuti. That's my compassion for the bear. <laughs> and then after that, I started walking, following it, sending loving kindness, may you be well up and peaceful. And I think that's kind of naive, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I would have done something else. Maybe just stretch my robes like this to turn into cells and look bigger than it, the, the bear. But anyway, you know the thoughts are not real. That's the message. Thoughts, don't believe in every thought. Remember, the thought of your mother is not your mother. So just meditate every time when a thought of fear arises, just become aware of thinking, thinking, thinking. Okay. Next method. This is very effective is more of recognition of fear. When fear arises, or when aversion arises, when anxiety arises, I'm saying this because recently I was teaching in Mexico, and people say, oh, you didn't talk about anxiety. No, it's the same strategy, <laughs> the same strategy. So you just make fear or anxiety or anger the object of your meditation. In other words, when anger rises, just become all your anger, 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 fear, 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 anxiety, anxiety. Then you start to watch. When you become aware of, let's say, fear, is there a moment when it's increasing? Is there a moment when it's decreasing? Or is there a moment when it's absent? Because also we want to be mindful of those moments when there's no fear, when there's no anxiety. They are there. Those moment, moments are there. But because sometimes we are overwhelmed with our thoughts and all these things, so we actually miss those moments when actually anger is going down, when fear is going down, when anxiety is going down. But when we are on top of things, we really make the, obje the object of meditation, we can actually see moments of, of fear rising and passing away, moments of fear rising and passing away. So then we can uh, gain insight into impermanence, impermanence nature of the fear. And then we can get, gain wisdom. And once the, the good thing about this, this method, let's say, for instance, anger. This is a good thing about this method. When you have anger, there are two things happening here. There's the object of anger, and there's anger itself. Those are two things that are happening. Remember, whenever anger rises, there's two things happening. One is anger in your mind, and then the trigger. 
the object of your anger. Now, in the life, when we are not meditating, usually when, we have, uh, when anger rises, we always go for the object, the trigger. I've seen it again and again, and most of the time, all the time, people, when they are angry, they always look for something outside. Maybe it's politics, yeah, situation, somebody. And that something is always wrong, and they're always right. Have you, have you seen that? <laughs> yes. Every time, every, people say, I was, wrong, I was right. He or she was wrong, like this. So we always actually go for the object, and we leave our anger here to brood. Eh? We justify the situations. Actually, most of the time, we justify anger, self-justification, righteousness, and all these things. What that does, though, it looks like solving the problem when you choose other people, blame others, kind of blame games, you know. You blame others. It kind of smoothen things. It kind of uh, relieves you a little bit, but I'm telling you, it reinforces the message. It reinforces the message, you become even more angry, you know. Now, if you use another strategy, uh, Buddha's um, strategy of dealing with anger, if you focus on anger itself and it becomes the meditation object, then what happens is that you are going to see anger rising, you are going to changing and all these things, then you are dealing with the anger. Then you are not causing more anger to arise. It can rise a little bit and decrease, but actually you are dealing with the anger itself. You are not forgetting about it. You are not forgetting about it. I think in modern life here, I can give you an example. If, let's say, you log at, you go to a computer and you log www at yahoo.com, that page is going to open because you are dealing with the, that particular website. But if you, do, you log on www.yahoo.com, why me? You continue typing in, why me? Why? And you keep on typing, and then you enter like this, that website will never open. Those who are using computer, you can relate. Even if you put an extra date, if, if you put an extra dot on www at yahoo.com and you put a dot there and you enter it will never open because you are putting extras so most of the time when we get angry ah oh, why me all oh, those people are insensitive all oh, these poor me all these things they, they would have known better they would have did this and this you are all going away from your website you <laughs> You are not going to open anything, actually. You are going to get stuck. Actually, that's what happens when the computer, good as it is, it gets stuck when you put extras. So the same thing with our mind. If we don't deal with anger, it's www.anger.com. You are in trouble. You are inviting for trouble. <laughs> www.anger.com. Why am I angry? Why? Why he was this insensitive, uh, he would have known better, blah, 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 dot, dot, dot. Forget about it. But once I open my web page, www.angry.com, 
I can look at, oh, this is anger. This is the address. Ah, this is the contact. Ah, this is the territory. This is a gallery. This is a, how the mind state looks like. Oh, then you can understand it. If you don't understand, how are you going to deal with anger? How are you going to solve anger if you don't understand it? So it's very, very important to make anger your object of meditation. See it rising, changing, is it staying the same, and, and all these things. Investigate, get into the, the investigation part. I know, I'm sure you already know this. And also don't hold on to fear. Don't hold on to anger. Don't hold on to anxiety. Because what I've seen, in a, at least uh, from my experience, people hold on to something like anger, and it's burning, but they hold on to it. When it comes to holding on to a, a metal, let's say something hot, they drop it like this. I mean, when you touch something hot, what do you do? Oh, it's mine. Do you do that? When they say, oh, oh it's mine. <laughs> oh, you drop it. But people don't drop the mental state called anger, which is really, really burning. That's a function of anger, is to burn. Huh? People, what I've seen, people get copyrights for anger. They say, this is my anger. <laughs> oh, f please forgive. No, 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 I will never forgive. They get patent rights, they get uh, patent numbers, and so I'll never get <laughs> It's really difficult, actually, to figure out how people hold on and they personalize it. They personalize anger. They personalize the, the uh, aversion. They explain, uh, uh, they personalize fear. People say I'm a, fear, uh, I, I'm a very uh, fearful person. That's how I grew up. I said, no, you can overcome it. I said, no, I'll never come more. Uh, overcome this. Some people even, uh, they say, no, I'm not going to go out of this building. People have told me like that, that. I will not leave this meditation center. I will not go out. I will sit bears and all these things. So it's really actually concretizing things. Fear as a mental state is rising and passing all the time. Third method. Third method. I'm going to run this quick. I want to leave time for question. Replacement method. Replacement method. Uh, so you have to replace fear with courage. You have to re replace fear with courage. Face your fear. That's the best way. Go straight to it. Be brave. To face uh, anger, uh, I mean, replacing anger, you have to practice metal loving kindness. I know you know this practice. May I be well upon peaceful. May all beings be well upon peaceful. That's the best way. So we go to the fourth method. It's called reflection method. You reflect the danger of fear, that whenever you have fear, it's really dangerous because uh, uh, it's not good for your health, actually. You know fear undermines health. You know that? Yeah. Yes, you, you can eat very well, and then you really are. Um, actually, it's really uh, kind of uh, spoil our happiness basically we we cannot enjoy life and there's many things to enjoy in life actually right? but we cannot enjoy because we're afraid going around for a walk i know somebody say i'm afraid going around the walk you know in massachusetts there's beautiful leaves and all that 
And for me, I'm enjoying it. Of course, I've seen a bear. I know what it is. So I'm enjoying my walks, actually. And she said, I'm not going to go out of this building. So you are deprived of the beautiful walks and exercise and all these things. So it's dangerous, actually, for also your health, actually. It undermines your physical health and mental health. Also, you reflect, oh, this fear is the, it defiles my, it defiles my mind. Every time you, 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 you indulge in fear, then it defiles your mind so that the next fear comes, it's even stronger. So in other words, fear of fear, fear of fear. So the more you are afraid, the more you create conditions for the next fear to come to be even stronger. So that's also another re reflection you can make. And also uh, fear de degrades you. You, you. you really actually become kind of a wimp, really. Afraid of pain, I'm afraid of this, afraid to talk to people, strangers, monks, and nuns. <laughs> I hope you're not afraid. <laughs> you can talk to me after the talk. Don't be afraid. Actually, I've seen people afraid of monks. <laughs> Wow, I've never seen a monk only on the television. Yes, yeah, so people can be afraid of anything, just about anything. Actually, I told you I did, uh, there's another fear, to be afraid just about anything. People are afraid about just anything under the sun. <laughs> so really, uh, this is something big in our life. Okay, there's another method uh, which is called redirection method. That's number five. Two more to go. Be patient. Don't be afraid. <laughs> Okay, redirection method. When you have fear, try to redirect your mind to the breath. That's what I did in Thailand, actually. I redirected my mind to the, the breath, to the body, to something awesome. Okay, I've done a lot of good things in Africa. Even if this ghost comes, it takes me. No problem. I'm ready to die. So I redirect to something that is very awesome. Like the breath is very good. You take a deep breath. Breathe out, relax. Come to the body, feel the body touching because it's there, it's present there. So no problem. So you redirect your mind to something neutral or something wholesome, like the breath, uh, the body, and all this kind of thing. That's redirection method. Uh, this, the sixth method is retracing method. You trace backwards, go backwards. When I have this fear or anger, where does it come from? So in other words, while reflection was forward looking, this is more of a backward looking. Where does this thing called fear, where does it come from? Then you retrace. Oh, this fear is coming from aversion. Then you go backwards. Where does aversion come from? It comes from attachment. Uh, where does attachment come from? It comes from pushing away things. You don't want to face the situation. You don't want to see the bear. You don't want the interview. You don't want this. So you're pushing away always something. That's where you have a problem. So when you do that, you are then actually going to what we call springboards, eh? the, 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 the root cause of fear. And then you can deal with that root cause accordingly. Whether it's, uh, if it's aversion, you send meta and all these things. Lastly, number seven, technique is called resolution method. You make a strong resolve for, uh, so that fear doesn't become your master, right? So that uh, actually you become bigger than fear. 
you make a resolve, it means using every ounce of your energy, physical energy and mental energy, to really actually uh, have courage to face fear. This is what the Buddha did, actually. There's one discourse in Majjhima Nikaya. Uh, the Buddha had fear and said, I'm not going to budge. I'm not going to change this posture until fear goes. And then uh, he was able to sail through that. So you really make a determination. In Paris, called Aditana. You make a, a determination to face fear. And also, if it's anger, also you make a determination that, OK, I'm going to use all the tools that I have so that I, didn't get, I, don't, I don't get angry all the time. Even anxiety, you can make these things. But the anxiety, what it helps is to do a little bit of walking in the nature and all these things. But you can apply all these tools, especially the, the tool which is very, very important of all is restraining the first one and the second one. It's very important. Making anxiety, fear, or anger the subject of your meditation. Then you investigate it. You don't try to push it away. You don't repress it. You don't suppress it. You don't express it either. You try to dissolve anger. You try to dissolve fear. Then you, you get insight into impermanence, unsatisfactory, how it is, that experience, how unsatisfactory it is, then how impersonal it is. Because fear is uh, come to, due to causes and conditions, then you can see the impersonal nature of that experience, whether it's anger, whether it's anxiety, whether it's fear. Then don't hold on to it. Don't hold on to it. Don't hold to fear. Don't hold on tightly to fear, anxiety, anger. Do not have copyrights. Thank you very much for listening. This is a short talk about fear. I hope it is very helpful. And uh, uh, I will invite uh, some questions about what I've said. Uh, but uh, I would like you to stand before we go for Q&A. I'd like you to stand up. Stand up. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.